This morning I want to talk to you about Jesus changing everything. <laughs> it's not the title of my message, but it could be. Um, I want to remind you, uh, Easter, <laughs> I had to remind you, but Easter is next week, so get the word out and everything. We're going to have um, baptism. If you want to be baptized, we haven't been able to baptize in a while, so we're going to have baptism on Easter Sunday. What a better time. I mean, is there a better time to be baptized, to be actually uh, the symbolism of being uh, buried with Christ and raised to new life on Easter? So um, let's see, brother, where's Brother Wade? Brother Wade, can you give us a big wave? You can't miss him. He's seven foot four. Um, so if you want to be baptized, get with Brother Wade, and uh, he'll get you signed up and get that. Um, get that ready. Now, next, next week, uh, next Sunday, we are going to have two services. Um, our 9 o'clock early service is going to be just worship, word, communion. Um, and it's going to be um, just very, very grounded, very everything. 10.30 service, we're just going to do it up. It's going to be dramatic and, and everything. But we want to have those two services. So if you want to be a part of that 9 o'clock service and just, just intense worship in the word, uh, it's going to be a great Easter message. Um, in that early service as well, uh, and then we'll have communion. Uh, be sure and be a part of that too. Is anything I miss? Pastor Cricket, is there anything I miss? I'll wait for a vibration on my phone. Um, when I was in trouble, uh, my mom, how many of you, your mom was a disciplinarian in your house? How many of you, both of them were disciplinarians in your house? Okay, that was me. Uh, my mom and my dad both uh, were, di- were the disciplinarians, but they had different styles. My mom, she would reason with me for, forever. My mom's, my mom's, uh, um, she's a good, um, she, this is a, this is a nice thing to say. Um, she's, she's really friendly and loves to talk and loves to have conversation and everything. Well, how that would translate when I was in trouble is she would always out talk me. <laughs> And, um, and so anyway, we would go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, um, but then she would get to a point where she'd say, she would say, um, when your dad gets home, I'll, I'll tell, I'm going to tell your dad what you've done and let him deal with you. Well, you typically, between that time and the time that my dad got home, I was trying to make amends so that she would forget you know, that I, what I had done, because my mom would reason with me and reason, my dad was, he was a reasonable man, but when he, you got to understand, when he would show up at the house, this is how my dad came home, uh, my dad was uh, probably a 29, 30 waist, and six foot tall, and, and muscular, I mean, he's just naturally really trim, he's not like me, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm nothing like him, but he was just naturally just beefy. I mean, just like muscles, just ripped, veins, you know. And he worked real hard all his life. Since he was 15, he'd been cutting logs. And so he would show up at the door in his, in his, in his bright orange chaps that were all frayed at the bottom in his old worn-out work boots. He'd have a T-shirt on with the neck stretched all the way over to here, soaking wet with sweat, steel, even after driving home, and covered in sawdust. It saw us in his eyes. You know, I'd be, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be looking at him sometimes, and be like, "Do you, you know, you got like a piece of sawdust on your eye, right? You know, just like sitting there, just like what?" Yeah, um, so my dad would show up at home like this, exhausted, and um, and my mom would hit him with the news. And so my dad wasn't there to argue. <laughs> my dad was there to get results. My dad was there to deal with it. Um, And I want to tell you this morning, when Jesus comes in, 
He doesn't come to argue. He doesn't come to do other things. He comes to get results. And we're going to be talking about today is the day that we celebrate when Jesus came into Jerusalem. We call it the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. That's what we're celebrating today, the week before Easter. Uh, on this day, uh, over 2,000 years ago, Jesus um, made his triumphant entry. And we're going to be reading that passage and everything. But when Jesus came into Jerusalem, we're going to see that even though he got the welcome of a king, that he was sad and he was disappointed. And we're going to be explaining that about why that is in just a little bit. So uh, let's go ahead and read Matthew 21, starting in verse 1. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks anything of you, say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. They didn't even want him to touch the donkey. They didn't want him to touch an animal, so they, they covered him in their coat so he wouldn't have to touch the donkey. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. They were taking off their outer garments, spread them on the road so that the donkey that he wasn't touching, wouldn't touch the ground. Okay, this sounds like, it sounds like royalty to me. So, um, and, uh, so they placed on, for, uh, on the ground, they cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the, uh, the uh, what did they call The garden club? Threw a fit, I'm sure, when they saw all these palm trees with just logs sticking out of the ground with nothing on them, you know? Because they cut all the branches off the trees so that Jesus' colt wouldn't touch the dirt. Um, and they spread them on the, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. This is all sounding really good. Uh, and when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered this. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. When I read that, um, you know, I, I know the story. But when I read that, Jesus, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about underestimating the presence of Jesus. And at the end of this service, I'm going to ask you what you need. But then I'm going to ask you another question. I'm going to ask you, what do you really need? Because there is nothing too hard for your God. There is nothing too hard. And a lot of times we underestimate Jesus and we, his, we come into his presence and we ask for what seems like big things to, to us, but it's not a big thing to him. And it's time for us to start asking big things of Jesus when he's in the room. Um, let, me, let me read you the definition of a prophet. The definition of a prophet is this. It's a person. Everybody say a person. It's a person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the will of God. The definition of Messiah is this. It's the promised deliverer of the Jewish nation. See, Israel and Jerusalem was looking for the Messiah. Have been for years and years and years. But what they wanted was a prophet. What they really wanted was a prophet. When somebody said, who is this? You know, what is all this fuss about? They said, oh, that's that prophet from Nazareth. Not that's the son of God come down from the throne of God which would have been the right answer. But this is the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So a prophet does this. 
and we've had the prophetic gift working in this church for years. And, and what a prophet does is this, is they tell you the answer. But you know what a Messiah does? A Messiah is the answer. And for so long, we've wanted, we've had, you know, people tell us the answer. But Jesus says, I am the answer. I am your Messiah. I am your deliverer. Um, so in Matthew, in Matthew uh, 4, 23 and 24, let's read there. What we're going to do is we're actually going to take a step back. And we're going to look at a macro of this. We're actually going to step back. And we're going to look in Jesus' ministry. And we're going to see what led up to this moment. We're going to see, well, how did people treat him while he was in ministry? You know, and through that lens, through that lens. So it says this, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Let me ask you this, what's the good news of the kingdom? Yeah, the gospel, that Jesus came, died, was resurrected to give you new life. This was Jesus proclaiming the gospel. In other words, he was saying who he was. Am I right? If he was proclaiming the gospel, he was proclaiming what, who he was and what he would do. So this is what the Messiah would do is he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom and, everybody say and, and. two things, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And that was the work of a prophet. The prophet is the one that, that worked the works and, and the prophet was, you know, Jesus was all, he was, he was prophet, priest, king, he was, he was everything, but... Um, this, what he was doing, he was doing two different things here. But it says, news about him spread all over Syria. What news? Well, it's fixed to tell us. And people brought to him all who were ill and with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. But can I remind you he was doing two things? Can I remind you that, the, that he had two messages going on here? The news about himself, the news about him as the Messiah, and it said that he was healing everybody that came to him. So what news got spread? The news that, hey, if you need to be healed, if you need something, Jesus is giving it out. You can come and get healed from Jesus, that prophet. He's doing that, and you can come and get that. But can I tell you that then and now, Jesus' ultimate goal in your life is not to fix the effects of sin. You say, well, I, what I'm going through, sin didn't have anything to do with. Well, let me, let me clarify that for you. There is nothing that's outside of the kingdom of God that's in your life that isn't because of sin somehow. It doesn't matter if you did it, somebody else did it, or it's just that Adam and Eve did it. If it's not in the kingdom of God, then it's sin. You see, let's back up. In the Garden of Eden... It was paradise. There was, there was nothing wrong. It was like heaven. What entered in? Sin. And everything changed. So everything that we deal with is an effect of sin. Whether somebody hurts you, whether you hurt yourself, or whether it's just living in this world got you hurt, we all are dealing with the effects of sin. But Jesus' ultimate goal is not to fix the effects of sin or living in a world of sin. He came to deliver us. Everybody say deliver Messiah, it means deliverer. He is the deliverer. He came to deliver us from sin. If you're dealing with sickness, that is not the root. If you're dealing with depression, that is not the root. If you're dealing with poverty, that is not the root. See, we're church people, right? So here's how we do things. We, uh, we give invitations. What are the invitations for? What's your issues? Bring your issues down to the altar. We'll lay hands. Perfectly biblical. 
I mean, we're going to lay hands on the sick. They're going to recover and all of these things. But that's as far as we take it. That's not deliverance. That's not being delivered. So many times we deal with the fruit because it's easy to pick the fruit. But we don't want to go and deal with the root because that's hard work. And when we really get involved in each other's lives, we get to the root level and we realize this is probably more than I anticipated (laughs) dealing with. Y'all ever been in a conversation it just went too deep too quick and they start telling you about stuff that you didn't have any business knowing and it's just like, where do I get off this conversation because I really don't want to get mixed up in this? You know, it's work, isn't it? I mean, how many of you have ever, um, have, how many of you ever uh, picked fruit off of a tree? I mean, that, that's, it's, it's not a big deal. It's actually a kind, of a, kind of a recreational thing that we do, you know. How many of you ever tried to dig up a tree? You know, you get out there with chains and tractors and, you know, and whatever you need to do to get that thing. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to get the root out. And that's why the devil's always trying to get a root in the ground because it's a lot of work to get it out. And that's why it's so, we ought to be so careful not to let that happen, not to let those things take root in our life. So Jesus is willing to fix what's wrong, but he's come then and he's come now as the Messiah, the deliverer from the root of what's wrong. How many of you have seen people that, that get, even get healed and then they go out and then, um, then they, they come back and, and, and they need healed again? And, and we see people that just have issues, different kinds of issues, and they come in and they get, they get healed, they get set free, they go out, they come back with the same thing. And it's just over and over, and they tell people, yeah, I tried that, but it just it, it wasn't a permanent fix. You know, it just, it just gave me some relief for a little while. And it's because there was a root uh, that just kept sprouting. It was because when you, when you pick the fruit off of a tree, what happens when the next season rolls around? When it starts getting warm weather again, the fruit it starts budding and the fruit comes right back. As long as the root is in the ground, the fruit will continue to come back season after season after season. I'm going to give you a quick example in my own life, two examples in my own life, and I'm going to be very transparent with you. Um, and, uh, but when I was a teenager, I was in bondage to pornography that bondage developed into depression. I know it's not an uncommon thing, but let me tell you how it played out in my life. It was very early on in my life when I began dealing with that. I mean, uh, like way preteen. And at some uh, point in my life, that root began to bear fruit in my life. And how it came out in my life was depression. And I'm not talking about I was sad sometimes. I was talking about deep, dark depression like I was in a deep, dark hole in the ground and I could not get out. I mean like inescapable darkness. That's the way uh, it came as fruit in my life. So uh, um, it was depression, rage. I had zero control of my emotions. Uh, No matter where I was at, no matter who it was, I was uncontrollable. I would have, I mean, just rage would come out of my life and such insecurity. And I'm, I'm going to give you all a, a quick tip. And it's, some of you are going to have to really clean up your act after this because everybody's going to know it. But how do you identify somebody that's dealing with a, with a deep root in their life is eye contact. I would never make eye contact. I could not bring myself to look at someone in the eyes. I would always look at the ground when somebody was talking to me. You know, I was, I was so insecure, so and. And can I tell you, and I'm going to get into this a little bit, but the devil always attacks you. It doesn't matter what the root is. He'll get any kind of root in your life. Wherever you're weakest, he'll, he'll take advantage of it. He'll get a root in your life. But the fruit doesn't always have to look like the root. In my life, the fruit was whatever the devil wanted it to be. 
All he needed was a root in the ground, and it was like a, you know, Brother Jimmy, you know, Brother Jimmy, he'll, he'll, he's, uh, he's into like splicing two different species of fruit trees together, and then he'll have, you know, this bearing here and this bearing here. Well, it, it's kind of like that. <laughs> I'm trying not to say that Brother Jimmy's trying to make an analogy of the devil with Brother Jimmy. That, that didn't come out right. <laughs> Brother Jimmy's awesome. Um, but so what, uh, uh, what the devil does is he'll get, as long as he can get a root in your life, he can make what kind of fruit he wants. And the kind of fruit that came out in my life, if I look back, was exactly the opposite of what God was ultimately calling me to be and to do. So that's what the devil does. You say, you know, well, I'm really dealing with this. How many, how many, I've heard this so much. It's like, I would love to do this or, or, or this, but I'm this way. Man, did you know for so many years, I mean, honestly, up until last several years, I considered myself a reclusive person. I considered myself a, uh, a private person, a, uh, you know, didn't like crowds or whatever. And then I started noticing that when I was in a crowd, I always left feeling good and energized. And when I was alone, my thoughts were always you know, woe is me. You know what I'm saying? I, when I would get alone, and I began to realize, God, you're actually, you didn't do this to me. I'm not this way because you made me this way. I'm this way because of the fruit in my life. I'm this way because of what's left over from what the, what the devil was trying to do in my life. And so everything that the devil tries to do in your life, the fruit that he wants to bear in your life, is completely the opposite and works against what God is, God's intent is for you. So he's very targeted. He is cunning. He is crafty. And he will use anything. Your sin, somebody else's sin, offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. He will bring it all. He brings everything to the table to try to get the door open in your life to be able to get that root in. I'm going to give you another example of somebody else's. So um, uh, let me finish that by saying um, I, would, I was desperate for, for God to deliver me from depression. That was my thing. I was like, God, I can't deal with this darkness, with this depression anymore. God, I need you to deliver me from this darkness. And, and it was in that time that I got filled with the Holy Spirit. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, um, the, the depression left. And, and the fruit of the root began to disappear in my life. But can I tell you something? I didn't really know about the root. And the thing about a root is this. A root is under the ground. We don't want anybody to uncover it, right? The root stays buried for a reason. And so it's painful, it's shameful. There's all kinds of uh, things attached to excavating that root. And so the fruit was gone, but the root remained. And several, I say, you know, several years later, um, when I was in my 20s, I got severely hurt, and, I, and there's no, I'm not going to give you details, but this is something that uh, happened in my life that was severely hurt. It wasn't just church hurt. It was, it, was, it was something that was severely done to me in a church, and um, the Holy Spirit went as soon as it happened. The Holy Spirit nearly shouted in my spirit, forgive Immediately, my first response, my first response was to forgive. And I literally got on my knees and I laid my head in their lap and cried and said, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And, and um, the Holy Spirit made it so, so sharp to me. 
It was so clear and it was so powerful that I knew in that moment, I knew I have to do this. I have to do what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. And um, so it was oddly, this is what happens in churches. I'm just doing. Um, strangely enough, nobody thought that was the right idea. No, it was the right thing to do. Like, you do what? You forget, you know, you can't. It's like, you're, 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 you're a brother in Christ. You're supposed to be telling me to do the right thing, you know. But people, if you don't take up the root of bitterness and unforgiveness, your close friends, you got to watch them. <laughs> They'll take it up for you. And uh, we had people that were really close to us that literally um, had a root of bitterness in their life for years, and we didn't. And it happened to us, not them. But they got hurt worse than us. Because of our response, because what the, what the Holy Spirit was saying to do, and we did what the Holy Spirit said, uh, what we needed to do. And, uh, but there were so many people that were so upset over what happened that they could not believe that we were just going to let it go. They couldn't believe that we were just going to forgive and, and, and walk away from it and not get revenge and not go to court. Not, you know, I mean, everybody's just like giving us all these ideas of what we can do. And, and did, I, did I imagine walking in there with a shovel and swinging as hard as I could? Yes, I did. I, I thought all those things, you know. But it was the Holy Spirit that was saying, forgive, 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 forgive. Um, and uh, so... Um, so a natural friend will take up the root for you, but a godly friend will recognize the plan of the enemy for you. And uh, even when you can't see it. But because, that, because of what the Holy Spirit led us to do, it never developed into the bondage of unforgiveness and bitterness. And can I tell you something? The root that was in my life from when I was a young man all through was dealt with in that moment. Because... Because we decided to do the really hard thing then and forgive and let the Holy Spirit do His work, it went so deep in our life that everything came up. Came up that that root that I never dealt with came up. So many things came up. And here's the thing, guys. It was one of the most hurtful. Did God cause that to happen? No. But the Holy Spirit clearly told me how to respond. And when I responded the way that the Holy Spirit said to respond, the root was dealt with. And not just that, not just the root that could have been. Because can you imagine root upon root, you know? That was the devil's intention. But even it went so deep that it, dug up, it dealt with the root of all these other issues as well. Um, so God turns things for good when we obey when we hear his voice and we do what he says, God does so much good in our life. Um, when we're constantly being healed, but we're never getting delivered, the Bible tells us that it makes Jesus sad. The Bible tells us that Jesus is in fact disappointed when we constantly get healed, when we constantly get all these things, but we never let him deal with the root in our life as the Messiah, as the deliverer. It says it makes him sad in Luke 19, uh, 41. Now, if you read before this, a few verses before, we see that Jesus has already been on the colt. He's already riding in, and this is what it says. It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Now, keep in mind, there was just this huge crowd that was that put him on the donkey, put clear cloaks over the donkey, so he wouldn't touch the donkey, put the donkey, put him on the donkey, put the donkey on a road that was covered in their cloaks and palm branches and everything else. 
treating him like royalty, like a king, and he started, and he wept. Instead of saying, oh, you get it. You really love me. You really do, you know. He didn't, he, he, his emotion was sadness. He wept over the city and prophesied. Because they didn't recognize him as the deliverer, as the Messiah, but only the prophet, here's what he prophesied. He said, if you, even you, had only known on this day, what would bring you peace? And as we read this, I want you to hear it to you. I want, when we underestimate Jesus, when we underestimate his presence, this is what he's saying to us as well. If you had known this day, what would bring you peace? Not healing, not peace. Because can I tell you, as long as the root remains, there'll never be peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and, get this, the children within your walls. It's not just you. You're not the only one that deals with this. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. He's, right there, he speaks so clearly of Satan's intent. He says, because of, this, because of this root, because you didn't recognize me as the deliverer to deliver you from sin, and you, you just wanted me to deal with all of these things, here's what the intent of the enemy is. It's just like, I mean, Israel found this out, you know, when they were supposed to be going in and they were supposed to be uh, conquering all these nations and they weren't supposed to leave anything. And, and, uh, and they would end up, you know, marrying into these other uh, countries and marrying people and, and intermingling and stuff like that. And they never had peace. They never had peace. You can just, uh, you can just ask Jesus to be a prophet. And he will. You can ask him to be a healer, and he will. You can ask him to just put his arm around you and encourage you, and he'll do that too. But if he's not the Messiah or the deliverer in your life, the root will remain, and you will never have peace from it. It says this. It says, The day will come when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will, never, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The root that's in your life will, will not remain dormant. It will do what he's intended it to do if it's not dealt with. And you can fight fruit the rest of your life or you can allow the Holy Spirit to go deep and deliver you from the root. Um, for some people that have dealt with divorce, uh, betrayal in that way, uh, betrayal from a friend or someone that you've respected, someone that you've loved. Uh, even um, for a lot of us, uh, early, early untimely death of people that we've loved, um, we didn't choose those things. We didn't go looking for those things. We didn't choose those things. But there is a root that can develop in our life of bitterness, of unforgiveness, and that root, here's the tricky thing about things that happen to us that we didn't have, we're not responsible for. It's because we're not responsible for it, we feel like we have a right to the root. When somebody comes 
and, 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 and does something to hurt us, we feel like it's all we have against them is this root. And the devil is very cunning. And he will, he, will, he, will, he will make us want to keep the root. He will make us want to protect the root. And that root uh, in our life, like I said, the fruit never looks like the root. And what we think that we have a right to, we have a right to be bitter. We have a right to hold this against them. We have a right to feel this way. Just remember the fruit is whatever he wants it to be. For other people, it's pornography, lying, rebellion, things that we've chosen, that we were enticed for, that we chose it, and those have taken root in our heart. But can I tell you that they're all roots? It's all roots, and when we feel justified, like, I didn't do anything wrong. And other people are like, well, I deserve everything I get. It is, it's all roots, and it all has the same intent of the enemy. A root simply comes through an open door. Whether you opened it because you were enticed. And I, guys, I realize when you're hurt, the first thing you do is put your hand on that door to let it all in. Right? You want to just let it all in. And I'm not saying that there's not, there, there's always time for grieving. There's always time for weeping before God when something like that, thing, when things like that happen. But there, we have to recognize when the bitterness begins to take root. And unforgiveness. And we've got to realize, recognize those things through the Holy Spirit. That's the reason facing things without the Holy Spirit, I would not recommend it. I would not recommend facing anything in life on any level without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that identifies the root to us. So roots are just come through open doors and the fruit is whatever hell wants to bring into your life. Um, the fruit doesn't always look where we said that. Um, so let's read in Luke 19. And this is the um, story of Zacchaeus. Well, this is one of my favorite stories. Not, I mean, I know he's, it's because he's, uh, probably because he's short. Me and him are like bros. But um, it's, uh, there's so much truth here. My goodness, here's a man who is as far away from God as he could be. And in one moment... I mean, when I say one moment, I'm not talking about a day spent with Jesus. I'm talking about just like everything just clicked and all of a sudden he was free. I mean, it's just like, and nothing was said except what he said. Jesus came to his house. So let, let's, let's read that story real quick. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was wealthy. So we know, we, church folks, we know what that means, you know, that he was a Jewish man collecting taxes for the Romans. Everyone hated him. Okay. And he was the chief. So, and he was really wealthy because he was either skimming off the top or they were paying him a pretty good, more than he, everybody else was making just to make everybody else upset. So anyway, um, so he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up. Here's the moment. Boom. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now. Everybody say, here and now. 
I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody about it, out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus' response to this was, today salvation has come to this house. We'll say, well, Jesus was just looking for him to, to, to do some kind of a penance or whatever. No. You know what the root was in Zacchaeus' life? It wasn't, he could have come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm really lonely. I don't have any friends. Can you, you know, can you do something about that? Because he probably was. I'm sure everyone hated him. Or he may have, you know, he was, he, with all the stress and everything that he dealt with, um, you know that he had health issues. You can't go through the stress that he was going through and not have health issues. Jesus, I'm, I'm sick. I've got this, you know, thing in my life, you know, this illness. Can, you know, can you help me with that? He didn't ask for any of those things. He just immediately went right to the root. You know what the root was? Greed. His root was greed. And he dealt with it with, a, with an ultimate sacrifice. He put the root on the altar. He said, I'm going to do the opposite of what I've, what I've always done. The thing that has grown and, and, and been a stronghold in my life and probably all this other fruit has come out because of it. I'm going straight to that root. And I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. And if I've stolen anything, I'm going to give back four times as much. It's just as extreme as he could go because he knew who had come to his house. It starts out by saying Zacchaeus went to see who he was. But when Jesus came to his house, he recognized him as the Messiah, as the deliverer, not just a healer. Not just somebody that could fix his problems, but as his deliverer. So in that moment of faith, he went right to the root. Zacchaeus let Jesus deal with the root, and Jesus said that salvation has come to this house. So, uh, like Zacchaeus, we can deal with the root, of, with the power of repentance. We can deal with the roots in our life with the power of repentance. What does repentance mean? You say, well, I didn't, and we're back, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. This root in my life isn't because I did something wrong. Can I tell you what repentance is? Repentance is recognizing the plan of the enemy. Repentance is recognizing, seeing in the eyes of the Spirit, recognizing the plan of the enemy, and turning away from the plan that the devil has for you. You say, in the church, we reserve repentance for if I do something wrong. Repentance is recognizing the plan of the enemy and turning away from he, what he has planned for your life. Whatever he's trying to do into your life, whether you invite it or it just happened, repentance is seeing what he's up to, recognizing him, and turning away from what he's planning to do in your life. We can turn away from the foundation that sin or our, the fruit is built upon. You can repent from something that you're not responsible for, and you can repent for something that you have no control over. You just have to recognize the plan of the enemy and turn away from it. Um, I've already blown through my notes, so let me just... You can experience the power of God to turn around your situation at the deepest and most core level. So mercy, here's the thing, guys. We think there's a, there's a limit on mercy. We think mercy is rationed out. We think that, you know, if I do something really wrong, you know, mercy steps in. And thank God he's merciful when I can't do anything about it. But, you know, there's no, there's no limit to the supply of mercy. 
Mercy is not reserved for when I, when I blow it. Mercy is available for every failure, but it's also reserved for every hurt. Mercy is available for whatever the devil tries to do in my life. His mercy steps in and nullifies it. We need mercy, not just for what we've done wrong. We need mercy for what other people have done wrong to us. We need His mercy in our life. And we need, um, either on the surface or at the root of the issue, mercy is available. But can I tell you something this morning? And we're going we're gonna to end with this. Jesus is here today. And Jesus never stopped being the Messiah. Jesus has always been the Messiah. And this morning, Jesus is here today as the Messiah, as the Deliverer. And when I repent, like Zacchaeus repented, salvation comes to my house. What does that mean? Zacchaeus was forever changed. Zacchaeus' life, the core of who he had grown to be, the plan of the enemy in his life, was completely altered. And he became exactly who God created him to be. See, everything that the devil tried to do in my life was targeted toward who God created me to be. It was to stop. It's nothing personal. Can I tell you that? It's nothing personal. The devil doesn't mean anything personal. He just wants to stop the kingdom of God from coming to earth in you. He'll do whatever he needs to do to stop the kingdom of God in each individual from coming to earth. See, you were created. You weren't just born. You were created. You were designed. You are intended by God. We've, we've been through all this uh, personality testing, all this kind of stuff, all these studies and everything, and it's just, it's really cool to realize that God has created you uniquely for a purpose, and He's given you everything that you need. But then you can see, wow, the devil did this, the devil did that, and the devil did that to try to keep me from doing what God has called me to do. To try to change me so drastically on the inside where I really believe I'm an insecure, shy person. Because I'm not, he didn't create me. He created me the opposite of that. And so the devil knows why you're here. He saw you coming. And his goal is to keep the kingdom of God from coming to earth through you. So when Jesus showed up at Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus recognized him as his deliverer. What Zacchaeus did is he put all his chips on the table. He didn't leave anything put it all on the table and I'm sure that he denied it for a long time I'm sure that he just thought no I'm just making an honest living no I'm just taking advantage of a bad situation I'm sure that he justified it justified it but when Jesus showed up he put it all on the table he said I am a I have a root of greed in my life and he put all his chips on the table he wanted Jesus to affect his life at the root level. Today what we're celebrating is Jesus coming as the Messiah. Jerusalem at that time underestimated his presence, but I want to guess, I, I, I would guess that here...
this morning, because Jesus is here, I want to believe that we recognize Him for who He truly is. That we're not here just to deal with surface issues. That we're a church that deals with roots. It's messy. It's hard. It's a lot of things. But it's necessary. And the awesome thing is, I can, I can you know, it's just all these mixed things because you, you look back and you say, I would never want to go through that ever again. But because of that, and the way the Holy Spirit walked me through that, here I am today. And, and from there to here, I never want to repeat that. I never want to go through that again. I never want anybody to do that to me again. But here I am today. And wow, what the Holy Spirit did when, when, when He had a moment, had a chance to go deep in my life. So we celebrate Jesus as the Messiah today. So I'm going to ask you those questions. Let's stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed, whatever uh, makes us comfortable. But I just want to ask you that question today. I'm going to put this before you. I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you what my plan is. I'm going to put this before you, and I'm going to ask you to come to these altars. We've got plenty of time. It's 10 till. So I'm going to ask you to come to these altars and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the root of things in your life. And you say, well, is it going to happen? You know, is all this going to be dealt with right here at this altar? Probably not. But the Holy Spirit wants to point out some things to you this morning. And then the work begins. The Holy Spirit wants to point out where the roots are. Why did this, why is this going on in my life? Why am I this way? Why, why, why this, why that? We got to trace it back to the root. And the Holy Spirit helps us do that. So I think that's what's going to happen this morning. Now, when you go home today, that's when the work is really going to start. But when you, but don't they say, um, they say something about, there's a saying, knowledge is power. I don't know. But if you know about it, if you know about it, then you're responsible for it, right? And you'll never be able to pass it off or make excuses again. So if you're brave enough to do that this morning. So I'm going to ask you these questions. I'm going to ask you, what do you need? First thing that comes to our mind is always, I'll tell you this morning, I've got a, um, I, I had a, this is a common procedure for some, but I've got like a piece of spaghetti thing. Y'all are already thinking this is so weird. Um, I've got a stent. It goes from my kidney to my bladder this morning. I didn't know if I was going to make it through this service because it's like when you, when you have a tube going that going through there, you don't have any control. So I didn't know if I was going to make it through this service. And so I've got all kinds of things. I'm in pain. I've got all kinds of things that I need from God. So that's always comes to our mind. It's like, what do you need? Oh, yeah. yeah I need that. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to ask you this question. What do you really need? Because he wants to take care of all, whatever, anything. He wants to take care of all, everything. He wants to take care of anything that the, that the devil, anything that hell has brought in your life, he'll deal with it. But he doesn't want to deal with it over and over and over. He, he don't. This morning, let's not make the same mistake let's, that Jerusalem made. Let's not make Jesus sad. Let's not make Jesus disappointed. 
Let's not ask him to, to heal us, to fix this, to fix that, and fix all these things, and think that that makes him happy. He wants to do it because it's, it's, it's what the root of hell is bringing out in your life. But he wants to go deep. He wants to go deep by the Holy Spirit this morning. He wants to uncover the root in our life, and he wants us to be delivered from the root. Maybe that root is something that you allowed in your life, but maybe that root is something that you had nothing to do with, and somehow it's turned into something really dark and ugly in your life. So what do you really need? This morning, we're going to go through that chorus one more time. I will make room for you. And that's what it's all about, guys. See, we stand guard over our roots. But it's time for us to back up and make room for the excavator of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, as we sing this song one more time, I will make room for you. I invite you to come down to these altars. Make room for the Holy Spirit to do what He does. And it may get hurtful. It may get messy. You, you may have to deal with it. You may have to call people. Brother, me and Brother White were talking after the early service. He was talking about all the people he had to call. When the Holy Spirit began to work in his life, he started. He had to call people. He's like, I hated you. <laughs> he said, I, I've hated you all these years. But I just want to tell you I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry that I've, hate, that I've, I've had, had these emotions towards you. That may be what, that's humiliating. It really is. To call your worst enemies and ask for their forgiveness. But that's what gets the root out. You think it was easy for Zacchaeus to do what he did? It wasn't easy. But it was necessary that he realized Jesus is here. Jesus is in my house. Not what do I need, but 